It's January 2nd. Welcome to today's edition of the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, and I serve as pastor of New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. It's my privilege to read the Word of God to you today. We're reading from the English Standard Version. Today we'll be reading from Genesis chapter 3 and 4, continuing in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through chapter 3, verse 6, Psalm 2, and then we'll conclude with Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. The overarching story or meta-narrative of the Bible consists primarily of four acts. The creation, followed by the fall of mankind, redemption, and finally the restoration, sometimes referred to as the consummation. In Genesis 3, we have the account of the fall of humanity, but we also have the prophetic picture of the gospel, the first mention of the gospel, a foreshadowing of God's promised provision of the virgin-born Messiah, the seed of the woman, who would defeat the devil, reverse the curse, and clothe our nakedness with the righteousness of God's own Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God for sinners slain. We'll start by reading from Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband." 
but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Chapter 4 Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, 
and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubalcane. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubalcain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So here we have important events in the human drama. We've witnessed the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3, and the first mention of the coming Redeemer in chapter 3 verse 15. Theologians call this the Proto-Evangelium, meaning the first mention of the gospel. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise, meaning he shall crush or depose the ruler on your head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. In Genesis 3.21, we have a picture of the failure of human attempts to cover sin, which I call Operation Fig Leaf. In contrast to God's provision, the sacrifice of an innocent animal on behalf of the guilty sinners, a prophetic picture of the sacrificial lamb of God, Jesus Christ. We can call that Operation Grace. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This is the first mention of the gospel of God, the good news of God's Son, the Messiah, and the provision of His perfect atoning sacrifice. This good news was passed on from Adam to his children. Prior to the fall, the man and the woman lived as a one-flesh unit. They shared the same name. After the fall, with the entrance of sin, came dissolution of that oneness. The woman was then named Eve. Whereas Adam was created in God's image, Adam's children were born in the image of fallen man. In Genesis 5.3 The image of God being no more than a shadow of what it once was. Therefore, although Adam was the first man, his son, Cain, was not qualified to be called the second man. Cain was no longer man as God created man to be. Instead of being filled with the Holy Spirit, his nature was fallen, and he was spiritually subject to the dominion of the God of this age, Satan. Never in human history would there be another man until the Messiah. He would qualify as the second man, because he was born not of Adam's seed. He would be, as Adam was originally, without sin. In 1 Corinthians 15.47 his obedience would be tested. Where the first man, Adam, disobeyed and brought sin and death into the stream of humanity, Jesus would obey and bring righteousness that would be extended as a gift to believers and a new stream of humanity 
that would be born of the Holy Spirit. Abel, the second son of Adam, is a picture of one who is obedient to the gospel. We find this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Cain brought to God what he thought best. He is a picture of man living by human reason, without revelation. His religion is one of self-redemption. Instead, Abel trusted God's word and brought what God required, an innocent animal substitute, a type of Christ. This sacrificial system was instituted as a mean of communicating the gospel. Abel received the witness from the Holy Spirit that he was accepted by God on the basis of the sacrifice of another made on his behalf, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Cain rejected the gospel, although God appealed to him that both a sin offering and the rule of sin were at his doorstep. Cain rejected the sin offering and submitted to the rule of sin. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 reads, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. We see the first case of depression in Cain in Genesis chapter 4 verse 6. Failing to believe the gospel, he does not have the witness of God's acceptance. He is still in his sins and under God's wrath. He is angry that he is not accepted by God by living on his own terms. He is jealous of his brother Abel because he has peace and joy. The spirit of Antichrist takes over and we have the first religious war. Cain rises up to persecute and kill Abel. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 11-12, to 12, we read, This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Abel is a foreshadowing type of Christ, who was despised, rejected, and slain by his brothers. Abel was the first shepherd, and Jesus is the great shepherd in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 11. Abel died a violent death, and his blood called for judgment. Jesus died a violent death, but his blood cries out for mercy. In Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 24. The rest of Genesis 4 is a powerful study on human sociology. The fall affects everything. Death came into the world. Creation, now under the curse, became subject to futility. Yet as Hans Ruckmacher points out in his book, The Creative Gift, quote, Despite all the frustration, futility, and suffering, our daily life still has meaning and is waiting to be set free from the bondage of decay. God made it clear that the seed of the woman could crush the serpent's head, depose the rule of the usurper, and be victorious over sin and death. When their first child was born, Adam and Eve named him Cain, meaning acquired of the Lord. Perhaps they named him in hope that he would be the promised Messiah. It was not long before they realized Cain was not the deliverer. They named their second child Abel, meaning vanity. They knew that their deliverance would not be through Adam's seed. After Abel is killed, the blood of Abel cries out for vengeance, yet God promises to be Cain's protector, putting a mark on his forehead. The cultural mandate that mankind was to develop and utilize this world remained in force. Cain and his descendants represent the self-sufficient man who does things his own way without reference to God. Seth, whose name means 
appointed one or substitute, he would be the ancestor of the people whom God would use to bring about his purposes. He would develop and cultivate the created world, but in God's way and in God's time. The line of Seth foreshadows the calling to be salting salt, salt that has not lost its savor and potency, redemptively preventing the spread of corruption and flavoring the world. In the remainder of chapter 4, we have the development of the arts and sciences along these two lines. Both lines are operating within the same framework of God's creation. Both lines have the same goal of realizing this world's possibilities and making it a good home for mankind. They share this common calling, yet, as foreshadowed by the name Seth, the line of Seth seems to recognize that complete redemption from the curse will not come through man's independent efforts, but through the messianic promise, the seed of the woman, who will judge evil and reverse the curse. Although it may seem that the line of Cain and Lamech is more active in cultural work, it is the redemptive work of the substitute that will last and bring about the renewed earth. Now reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through chapter 3, verse 6. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt about his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So in this New Testament reading, we have a picture of the hostility that's expressed towards the Son of God, just as we saw in the book of Genesis 
the seed of the serpent is opposing the seed of the woman. Jesus is the promised seed of the woman. He's come to reverse the curse. The seed of the serpent is the corrupt world system, the offspring of the devil, and it expresses hostility towards Jesus as soon as he is born. In his attempt to destroy the Messiah, Herod gave orders to kill every male child in Bethlehem two years old and under. Matthew gives us insight into God's sovereign protection in delivering Jesus from his would-be killers. In doing so, messianic prophecies were being fulfilled, such as what is written in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, Numbers 24, verse 8, and Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. God graciously spoke to Joseph several times in his dreams. We saw that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, now in chapter 2, verse 13, 19, and 22. God speaks to us primarily through his written word, but we should be open to him speaking to us subjectively in ways that the prophets foretold. We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and Joel chapter 2, verse 28, while being careful that all impressions are to be consistent with and subservient to the whole counsel of God in Scripture. Matthew also carefully points out that John the Baptist fulfills the prophecies regarding the one who would call Israel to repentance and prepare the way for the Messiah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, and Isaiah chapter 40. Give thanks to God for the gift of His Son. Worship the one who was born King and came to save us from our sins. Jesus went right to the root of the problem. John the Baptist says it well. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus did not come to prune our sinful nature. He came to deal with its root. He goes right back to the beginning of the problem, Adam. Where Adam fell into disobedience, Jesus would bring judgment on Adam and his progeny as the last Adam by identifying himself with his sin on the cross. Sin would be cut down and thrown into the fire. As the second man, the federal head of a new humanity, he would rewrite our history as one of perfect obedience. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 to 47, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus, though sinless, identified with the natural man in baptism. Notice the commendation by the attending persons of the Trinity. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Notice also that the dove, who is not seen in the Bible after being sent by Noah after the old creation is judged, is finally seen in Matthew 3.16, resting on the head of Jesus Christ, the second man, the head of the new creation. Where the first man was tested and failed, this man... Jesus would succeed. And now a reading from Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath, and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore... 
O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. In Psalm 1, we saw Jesus as the blessed man. In Psalm 2, we see Jesus as the Son of God. In Psalm 1, we saw the psalmist rejoicing and delighting in the law. In Psalm 2, we have this prophetic picture of the severe judgment uh, that's due man apart from kissing the Son, coming into a relationship of faith in Jesus Christ. In Psalm 1, we read about the blessed man, true to God's word. We learned that as we abide in him, meditating on his word day and night, we will bring forth the fruit of a Christ-like character in every season. What a great prospect that is for every day and every year. Today we read about the reign of the Son of God over the nations. In Psalm 1, we read of delighting in the law of God. In Psalm 2, we read of the leaders of this world who defy the law of God. Psalm 1 is never quoted in the New Testament, yet Psalm 2 is quoted at least 18 times. It is quoted more than any other psalm. It is a royal psalm depicting God's anointed one upon the throne and the nations who resist his rule. It is by trusting the Son of God, joining ourselves to him by faith, and trusting in his saving work on the cross that we gain peace with God. His atoning sacrifice has made a way for God's wrath to be turned away so that we might not perish. In Psalm 2, verse 12, whereas Psalm 1 began with a blessing, Psalm 2 ends with one. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. And now we're reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. So we see in Proverbs chapter 1 that Jesus is our wisdom from God. Christ makes known the truth about God, for he is the truth, and he is God, the second person of the Trinity. What a person thinks about God is the most important thing about him. The beginning of wisdom is to reverence the truth about God made known to us through Jesus Christ. Notice that the starting point of true knowledge is the revelation of God through Jesus Christ and God's answer to the human dilemma through his work on the cross. Christ is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We read this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given to us all that we need in Christ Jesus. You have made him to be for us our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. What a perfect provision we have in him. And like Abel, we want to put our trust in your provision of a sinless substitute, not trusting in our own works of righteousness, but in the perfect work of righteousness accomplished by your Son, our Lord Jesus, on the cross. We recognize that we have no righteousness of our own to bring before you. But we thank you that the righteousness that you require, you offer to us as a free gift through our substitute, our Lord Jesus, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Father, we thank you for wisdom and knowing that the beginning of the wisdom is for us to recognize the propositional truth of your word. We submit to it, we love it, we embrace it, we delight in it, and we thank you. Through our faith in your proclamation, we kiss the Son and we find ourselves being blessed. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Bless this word to our heart, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining the One Year Bible Tour, and we hope that this will be a blessing to you throughout the year. Our desire is to do all we can to combat biblical illiteracy in our culture, that the light of God's Word would shine into the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, all around the world. We want you to feel welcome to contact us with your comments, questions, prayer requests, and you can do so by sending an email to podcast at newlife.org. We want to remind you that many benefit from getting a daily email also with a written copy of the commentary of each day's Bible reading with illustrations, maps, and charts. You can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. We also want to remind you that every time you like or you subscribe to a podcast, it increases the likelihood that people who are looking for Bible reading podcasts will find this. So please, wherever you get your podcast, click subscribe and you can help us spread the word. So until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Shalom.